jumping into uh, the second, is today the second week? Yeah, second week in the series uh, with lessons we can learn from the well and the woman at the well and her encounter with Jesus in John 4. So we're going to jump in and uh, grab a few more insights from this. So verse 4 says, he had to go through Samaria, speaking of Jesus, on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, or Sychar, however you pronounce that, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God, or the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get the living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks the water will soon, this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Our big idea today is that every day has missional moments. Weird word, right? Missional. It's kind of like church is one of those contexts that uses this word, and other people are like, what in the world are you talking about, right? Uh, Jesus was on a mission here. He had to go to Samaria to have an encounter that he foresaw with this woman at a well. He was on mission. And we have the opportunity to do the same. In fact, we were challenged to be on mission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we read it last week. But it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth, therefore go and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. That's the challenge, the mission. Those of us who've chosen to follow Jesus are charged to carry out. That's our missional life sentence, if you would, that we have an opportunity to fulfill. And so followers of Jesus get to do that. And the missional moment then is an opportunity to share Jesus with people. To go and share. Make Jesus known. Help people experience Jesus. They come up throughout the day. You, you just like know through an unction of the Holy Spirit that this is one of those moments. This is one of those doors I need to walk through, right? Maybe in the natural rhythms of conversation you sense... I think this is where I can relate and share a story that would connect with our conversation uh, about Jesus. You don't want to be too awkward. I remember taking a missions trip to Detroit. We were uh, 
hopping off of a, a bus in a park where we were going to go share Jesus with people. They were our, our uh, you know, target, and we were on a mission, right? And, and it was a bunch of students were jumping out of a bus, and it's like, release the hounds on all these people, right? They were our project, and we were on a project. It was just awful, but we did it. And so we show up, and we were just like aggressive. And I remember getting right off the bus, and there's a dude just staring at us. And this kid jumps off the bus. His name was Zach. And he looks in the eyes of this guy in the park, and he just goes, do you know you're going to die if you don't have Jesus? All those who sin are going to hell, and you need to accept him right now. And you're like, whoa, he hasn't even, you don't know his name, right? And we had this huge, awesome, teachable moment and began to just live time, like, remind people of what we said. Hey, have a conversation. Get to know these people. That's your goal. Your goal is not to make converts in this park. Your goal is to have conversations with people. And when and if it's fitting, insert Jesus into this conversation, into the rhythm of the conversation. I think oftentimes we think sharing Jesus is like that moment where we just have to initiate the conversation and just go all churchies and like Jesus and any scripture we've ever memorized or heard, we got to rattle them all off instantaneously and let God do the work. We may have gotten in the way of his work if we do that, right? It's like we need to just be natural and get to know people in genuine relationships. More often than not, missional moments just happen. But in some cases, like this one for Jesus, they're anticipated. They're found by going where we sense God leading us to go. It's like, okay, God, I sense that you want me to do this or go here. I'm going to, and I'm anticipating you're going before me to prepare the way. So we're going to kind of look at that today. These missional moments are opportunities to help people experience Jesus as you're experiencing him. And again, as we said last week, we get to share how Jesus is impacting our imperfections so that we can be on the same ground, the same turf as those we're sharing with. We're not better than them. We're just needing Jesus like them. It's not a moment to share how perfect Jesus has made you uh, because that won't relate to people. The, the goal when we're sharing is just to connect with people's story and find out where our story and their story crosses so that we can help them see where their story and Jesus' story can cross as well. Jesus uses these moments like this to illustrate God's preferred future for them. And confronts her with, hey, man, if you drink this water, it's going to bubble out from you. Living water, it's going to be crazy good. And she's like, huh? Right? So how do we take advantage of these moments? We have four thoughts for you today. Uh, thought one, we got to get out of our cocoon. What? Okay. You'll get it in a second. Well, maybe in the, in the 90s, some, uh, a phrase of cocooning kind of became popular. Uh, it, was, it was a phrase referring to people that began to cocoon in their homes. They just would stay in their homes. Now they could watch movies in their homes. They didn't have to go to the theater. There's enough on TV. They're just like cocooning. They're setting themselves up for a living away from people. And then culture began to progress, right? Uh, great innovations came out like the Walkman, right? Right? So people would put on their little metal-rimmed headphones, 
right? And they would go out with their Walkmans. They would stick their cassette in the Walkman, clip it to their extra large belt, and walk around. Or if they had a lot of money, it came out a few years later, the Discman just had to end with the name man. So it's like a man talk today for Father's Day, right there. That was a perfect illustration. But no, here's the reality. Uh, people began to close themselves off from the culture around them. So even when they were out, they were cocooning. And then our technology advanced, and all of a sudden you had iPods and and then, you know, so you could carry now a lot of stuff along with you. And iPods turned into, like, smart iPods and iPhones. And, and now people have, like, iPad Pros instead of boom boxes carrying around listening to music and videoing people. It looks like with a large screen TV out in public. It's awesome. So nobody around them can see. But uh, you don't have to look long if you're in a restaurant or if you're out in public to see people cocooning. Still today, it's just getting worse, right? Now people date by going online and meeting people and figuring out. And they can, like, date online for quite a while in their protective cocoon and not even have to meet the person in person. This happens. Uh, now you have Facebook and, and Twitter and LinkedIn for networking and Amazon for purchasing. It's like, I never have to leave the couch. It's awesome. If they'd only deliver upstairs when they come to the house. Come on in, bro, on my little ring, you know. Yeah, we're that bad. We don't even go to our front door. We're just like, ding dong. Oh, hey, yeah, uh, you know, I don't want to come downstairs and talk to you. So just talk into the ring on my front porch. Look right into that little glowing blue light. That's this world we live in. That's literally our houses. You come to our door, you're on video. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, we miss opportunities to experience face-to-face interaction. And there's, uh, here's just a couple photo illustrations. Like if you're out for a walk, down the street, you know, you can see people doing this. So much so that instead of a crosswalk sign up here across the street now, cities are putting crosswalk flashing warnings on the ground because everybody's looking down at their phones and maybe that'll keep them from getting hit by a car. I saw a prank video online the other day where they just had a bunch of speakers wired up on the road and when people were walking by on their cell phones, they would make the sound of a car squealing and to a stop right there. I should have totally downloaded it. I'm just remembering it now. But these people walking on their cell phones had the most amazing reactions. They were just like, they would hear the car and prepare themselves to get hit. But there's no car. And they're like looking around going, what just happened? And there's people laughing in a back room, you know, and making a ton of money because they're now gone viral. How about this shot? This one's classic. Uh, when, you, when you Google it, you know, people want to experience stuff, but they're experiencing everything through their phones, right? But look close at this photo. Go to the next slide. One person's enjoying the moment. Look at that. Is that crazy? Everybody else is still cocooned to their device. This is their perspective on life when it's really all around them, but their view is within this screen. No wonder they want the iPad Pro to, like, carry around, right? It's just crazy. They get a little more of life that way with the iPad Pro. But you, so I just look at this, and I go, come on, right? What if we could break out of our cocoon? What if we could get out of this and, and experience the mission Jesus has for us when we would just put down our devices, maybe, 
and engage the world around us. It's created a lack of missional moments, not because the moments aren't there. It's because we can't see them. If we would just elevate our head, right? Or man, maybe you're cocooned so much that when you do finally look up and have an opportunity in front of you, your heart races, you're nervous because you haven't... And you panic and you don't know how to share in that moment because you've been locked in for so long. I just look at that and go, man, what would happen if we would skip the next version of whatever device we're using, set that money aside, and go on a missions trip and experience the world around us versus experiencing the world in front of us through a little device? What would happen if we would do what Jesus challenges us to do repeatedly in Scripture and lift up our heads, open our eyes and ears and minds, and take interest in the world around us? What will it take for us to remove ourselves from the cocoon culture and become active in the mission at hand of letting people know Jesus that are around us? Thought two, the thing we need to do is take interest in others, right? Take an interest in others. Because when we do look up, we can see what's going on around us. Now, when I was growing up, I'll just continue to make fun of myself, right? Walkmans, discmans, all that kind of stuff is real. If you wanted to listen to the 11th track, you had to fast forward. And if you're really good, you can hear the gaps, a little bit of silence, and you could stop, push play. If you didn't push stop, you'd stretch the tape by pushing play, or it might get tangled and you'd have to throw away the cassette. It was tough living as a kid. But one of the shows we watched, which we could not take with us on our portable devices, uh, couldn't even record really because the beta tapes, cassettes players, wouldn't set themselves to record live TV. You had to like schedule to be in front of the TV when the show was on, instead of watching it later. Um, but one show we watched in our home as kids, I have no idea why because I'm sure it wasn't healthy for us, but it involved taking an interest in others in a way that I want to share today. Uh, it kind of had a dad vibe a little bit. Um, it was called Cheers. Uh, and this, this was uh, something we watched. I loved Cliff Clavin and Norm. But one of the things that happened, yeah, exactly, right? One of the things that always happened in this, in this scene was when Norm would walk in, everybody would go, Norm, in this thing. Even their theme song kind of talks about what we're talking about. <clears throat> it sounds like this. Making your way in a world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes we want to go where everybody knows your name, right? And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people know. People are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. You look at that song, right? Oh, thank you. Tour dates start later this year. I'm modeling right now, so I don't have time. But the, uh, so if you, if you walked into a place like Cheers, 
people would, like today, people would be on their devices. Right? You would walk in and they might not notice you walked in because they're watching somebody else walking in somewhere on their device. And we would have to kind of feel this culture of here I am. You would have, Norm would walk in and go, guys, I'm here. Just wouldn't be as good of a show. Instead, like their culture was, hey, there you are. What if we could shift back to a there you are culture? What if we could challenge ourselves to, to be those who notice that others are in the place? And we would welcome them and we'd say, hey, ha, good to see you, right? Something we all could use work on. I'm often so busy that I'm like, you know, what's next? Set this up, do this, do that. And my head's down and I miss somebody right next to me. And then they're like, he never says hi. Oh, I totally didn't even see, right? This happens in the culture we're in. But hopefully it's not because we're stuck to our cocoon still. What would happen? I bet if you did a social experiment, students specifically, but if we did a social experiment and we chose for the next month, I'm going to post pictures of other people on my social profile. And I'm going to build them up. I'm going to talk good about them. I'm going to say what I like about them or the people or the community. But instead of taking pictures of here I am, right, I take pictures and go, there you are. Man, this person is amazing. You should see what they're doing. And I just so appreciate their friendship and the life. I bet you'd get more followers and likes. Why? Because people want to be noticed. And when you start noticing people, complimenting people, building them up, they want to be where you are. People want to be where they know we're all the same, right? Where everybody knows your name. I just look at that Cheers lyric and go, still works today. Jesus was noticing this gal at the well, was working for her. You know, who, who am I that you would talk to me? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. He's like, I'm noticing you. We're having a car. I'm, I'm not the normal Jew. I'm going to break out of the barrier. I'm going to break out of the box and I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to take a genuine interest in other people. When you do that, it's a surprise to them. But I think it could change our culture. Jesus surprises this woman and the disciples come back and they're like, what? And then they started teaching about it. I mean, if you look at like Philippians 2, verse 3 through 4, it says... Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It's like, wow. Oh, so like my social feed should have pictures of more than just me. Right? Should begin to tell the story of the world around me. I mean, Jesus exemplified this. Matthew recorded it in 935 to 38. It said, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers out into his fields. When he saw the crowds, it says, he went to every town and village. He had an interest in every person, in every town, in every place. Why? He had good news. The kingdom of God was embodied within him, and he was going to make way for a new connection, a new relationship to God through him. This was great news. Jesus was taking a genuine interest. Jesus was taking an interest in every village, town, city, and person. Open life has embraced that same call, right? Our vision is to be able to multiply into every city around us, be able to build up and have an effective way of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus and Bonnie Lake and Sumner and Ording and Buckley and Wilkeson and, and Carbonado, wherever. Passion for every city. We consistently are looking for ways of, of sharpening our effort to where we can be a more pure example of Jesus, a good demonstration that demands an explanation of the love of God. Like, why are you serving us like this? This is amazing. Why would you do this? And we could explain. That said, I have some exciting news. Sumner, in the city of Sumner, we have a campus, Open Life Sumner. And we're going to do some experimenting to be more effective at making Jesus known in Sumner. Starting July 2nd, we're going to move, we're making two changes. One, we're going to move Open Life Sumner to 5 o'clock on Sunday nights. So we think this is a wise move. We're going to shift the service time so that it will work good with the rhythms of the city we're discovering. And with those who attend, after asking those who attend Open Life Sumner, what times work best? 5 o'clock on Sundays fell into a niche. So we were like, we're going to try this. We're going to see what happens in July and August with this rhythm and see how it works. This could end up benefiting you. I'll share that in a second. And uh, so we just want to see, like, what is attendance like then? How can we, does this allow us to reach more people than we're currently reaching? How can we expand the gospel in Sumner through a 5 o'clock window? The second change is where we're gathering. Right now we rent Sumner Middle School in Sumner. We're going to move that space to Sumner Family Church. Now, uh, that's temporary because it only will last until the end of August. So if that Sunday night window works, we're looking for where we would be renting, maybe going back to school or whatever. But we're actually, uh, Sumner Family Church is letting us use the venue, so we're saving about $4,000 that can help us meet some gap financially that's down there in Sumner. So we're pretty stinking excited about this, and we can't wait to see how it ex allows us to raise the bar of what we're doing on the mission in Sumner. Now, maybe these changes will, will spark some, some growth down there. We're praying for that to happen. Love for your prayers as well in that. But here's how it could benefit you. Let's say you're going camping or you're doing something during the course of the weekend and even you're not able to make it to a 10 a.m. We want you here at Bonnie Lake. But let's say you're not able to make it to 10 a.m. in Bonnie Lake but you still want to come to Open Life on the weekend. Well, guess what? Now there's a 5 o'clock Sunday night service. So you can go camping on Friday and stay Saturday night too. Or get back really late at night and not wake up at 10 a.m. in the morning but come to a 5 p.m. service. That is totally available to you. And the way you'll find it, if you've never been down there in Sumner, is you follow the same A-boards you follow here but in Sumner. Same green A-boards that say church, arrow, parking, entrance, all that. 
will be down there showing you where to go in downtown Sumner. So we're kind of excited about it. And we value experimenting here at Open Life. Everything's an experiment. So we're just praying that, man, let's see if we can reach some more families by changing up what we're doing down there to better fit the rhythm of the community. So Open Life Sumner, 5 p.m., Sumner Family Church, starts in two weeks that we're making that change. So you'll notice those shifts in the app and online and even the invites. We'll print some new ones and stuff here coming up. So uh, we're pretty excited about the possibility of that. And we love your prayers for that and, and just that we could really tell quickly whether this is the right rhythm or not so that we could be prepared for the fall. Why would we do that? Well, because we're taking an interest in others. And we're doing what Jesus challenged us to do. We're taking an interest in others in every town in our area, just as he challenged us to do. Thought three, we have to anticipate an open door. Well, how can we do stuff like this? Well, Jesus exemplifies it. The woman gave Jesus an opportunity to turn the entire conversation with her upside down when she said, why are you talking to me, right? Why are you asking me for a drink? When we take a genuine interest in people, they'll show us the door to their heart to speak Jesus into their life. They'll reveal what's going on, and we need to walk through those doors. We need to pay attention to what is happening in the community around us so that we can make a difference. This is where it's vital to have our eyes and ears open to see the door so that we can walk through it. Not in your notes. But Colossians 4, 2 through 6 says this. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his, myster- his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. Wow, that's a fitting challenge, right? We're anticipating that God will give us opportunities, but we need to be prayed up and ready to respond in those opportunities and that our language would not freak people out but be attractive, would be the right response for everyone at the right time. It would be gracious that we would make the most of the opportunities around us. Other passages make it clear that it's not really even up to us, right? Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He, created, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, Jesus has already gone before us, and he's preparing opportunities for us to take advantage of. He's opening the doors that we get to walk through. So we just need to be those who can see those doors open. And it could look all kinds of different ways. I mean, that's just for us to kind of follow that unction and see, man, this, I, I think this is an open door. I'm going I'm to share the love of God here through this window of opportunity. We can make a big difference in people's lives if we'll be for them. 
thought for, or as your notes say, if you have the handout in your hand, taught for, or tocht for. I don't know how you pronounce T-O-G-H-T, but we missed an H on that one. Sorry for those of you that are OCD, and you've been tripping at that the whole time. You noticed it. Like the first time you looked at the paper, you're like, don't they know how to spell? No, is the answer. That was invisible until like last night. And I'm like, oopsie daisy. Luckily, those using the app, you got correct spelling. You don't have to deal with this error mentality. Okay, moving on. Uh, Thought four, it begins with you and Jesus. Just as the Colossians passage challenged us to devote ourselves to prayer, Jesus demonstrated his devotion to prayer and the difference it made in his world. We cannot trust in our own charisma or eloquence of speech, nor do we have to have some great skills in sharing Jesus with others. We just need Jesus. We just need to follow Jesus. And if we're in right relationship with God, if we're following Jesus, he's going to give us the words to say. But if we're out of relationship with God and trying to do it on our own, we're probably going to stumble up, even if we're outgoing and extroverted. It's not an introvert-extrovert thing, sharing Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus thing. Jesus would withdraw to quiet places to align his heart with God's for the people around him. He would weep over those people before he even met them and after he met them. Our challenge this year at Open Life to be a great neighbor is to neighbor well, neighboring eight, specifically the homes around us, what would happen in our community if all of us could pray by name and need for the eight homes around us if we live in a normal neighborhood or maybe it's seven homes like ours, we have a park on the corner or, you know, whatever that looks like. But what if we could pray for people by name and need that are right, literally our neighbor? He was devoted to this. Jesus would go out and allow the hard work of stirring his passion and his love for people happen in between him and God. You can read in Mark 1, 35 through 38, it says before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And later Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Like, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. I don't know how they said it, but, you know, I could just hear, like, everyone. Everyone usually means three people, if your kids are telling you that. Maybe two. Maybe them and one other. Everyone. Our kids hate it when we're like, oh, well, who? Or if you're talking to somebody who's married, it's their wife or their husband. Everyone. Or they're talking. Who's they? A lot of people. Okay, my spouse. You know, it's kind of life. But anyway, Simon drops this line. Everyone's looking for you. Verse 38. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I'll preach to them too. This is why I came. Man, why do you guys... Why do you guys even have a campus in Sumner? It's like five minutes from here. Well, we got to go on to the next town. That's why why Jesus came. 
Why do we want a church in, in Buckley? Well, there's churches in Buckley. Well, we've got to go serve the next city. It's, isn't that why Jesus, Jesus came for that reason? Why do we want to be in Ording? Well, Legendary Donuts is going to have like a sweet donut shop down there. That's why. Oh, yeah, because Jesus wants us to go to the next town. Shoot. Stick to the script, Dad. You know, I just look at that and go, we've got to continually prepare our hearts as Jesus did. He got away and his heart was broken for the next town because they had to know the good news. The kingdom of God was here embodied in himself that God loved the world so much that he sent his son so that their sins could be cleared away and they could have life to the full now and for all eternity such a beautiful story I like how Luke 5 16 says it in the latter part of the verse it just says Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer what was he doing falling in love with people taking an interest in people Anticipating the open doors. Expecting the next missional moment. That's what he was doing. Our action point is simple today. Start a conversation. That's what Jesus did with the woman at the well, right? He just began a dialogue. He had no idea where it was going to go. Hey, can I have a drink? That was it. That was the beginning of it. A beautiful story. Maybe the first conversation you might need to start is with God. Maybe you need to start having a conversation with Jesus, between you and Jesus saying, "Um, okay, I need to get connected here with you, Lord, because I want to love my city. God, I need to get connected with you because got to open my home because your word says we have to care for orphans and there's thousands of them in our state that have a need for a home I was in a lunch this week with the churches in Pierce County that are engaged in foster care 12 churches in a room 24 were invited 12 of us showed up. Churches. Foster care, like a biblical mandate of care for the orphans. And only 12 churches were in the room. I was like, mad. Probably a good term for it, right? Just going, God, you're hearing stories of 40 to 50 kids being shipped out of state, removed from their families, and there's no place even within the state for them. The Friday, last Friday, there were 60 new kids put into care. What really messed us up in our home this week is we knew five of them and their story. And they landed in an open life home, some of them. And we were able to grab some clothes out of tubs from our garage, walk them across the park, put them in the hands of the family that's going to be caring for them and the next day at school Dana teaching watched them show up to school and huff clothes and honestly it's been messing us up just a need and an open eye and a family that said yeah we'll foster 
That's what happens when you get in conversations with Jesus. He's going to mess up your world, and it's a good mess up. It's a good mess up. Maybe the second conversation you need to begin having is with people. Put the device away. Capture a moment with your mind. Share the story of that moment with people without pictures. What? I love Instagram. It's like the one platform I check every day. But yet still, I love capturing things with my eyes way better and sharing that with the people around me. A dad's story to close out before I pray. Every Monday, we have an opportunity as in the Huff home during the school year. I drop off our middle school twins and uh, we go to Donuts with Dad, hop up to Enumclaw, leave in Glacier Middle and go up to Enumclaw and we uh, grab donuts and then we go on an adventure. Adventures with Daddy. Hashtag Adventures with Daddy. Anyway, so that's where we go and we um, just go all kinds of places, man. We see eagles, mountain lions, herds of elk, massive ice, you know, uh, snow. We just go to crazy places that you could do within an hour. It's like we live in the most beautiful place that we get to go do all these adventures. I get to take these kids on adventures. And I began to think, man, that's my Monday morning. How much more of a beautiful adventure can we have with our family if we'll take them on the adventure of being sharers of Jesus with people who are in need? And maybe we're going to go with our family to serve a food banker. Maybe we're going to go with our family to take clothes to some new foster children in the neighborhood. Or maybe we're going to do something, some adventure Jesus leads us to because our eyes and ears were open together. But fathers in the room, Jesus challenges us to lead our home like he led the church. What if we'll lead our homes on adventures with Jesus? Not just adventures in a hike or a sport or a whatever. I was challenged by that as I was thinking, what's my application to this text, Lord? I thought I'd pass it along because we as fathers can lead our families on some pretty amazing journeys. And sharing the faith and watching somebody's life transformed by it, the most amazing of journeys. And Jesus is challenging us to start a conversation to do just that. God, I thank you for leading us here today on Father's Day to learn from your word, to be inspired by it. And I pray that, God, you would inspire all of us in the room to take up this challenge to to start a conversation with somebody who needs you. I pray right now, Lord, that you would give us divine like insight into how you're leading us. That you would give us the opportunity to recognize that open door and walk through it. That we would become obedient followers of you that would just walk down whatever road a conversation would take us to with others. Complete strangers. It's not hard to start a conversation. May we have fun with this journey. May we exemplify what it is to share Jesus with our families as fathers in the room. Empower us, God. Give us your strength. It's not our own charisma. It's not our own abilities. It's your Holy Spirit giving us the know-how and the strength to be sharers of you. And I thank you for that promise. I thank you for what you exemplify in your word that we can follow. God, for this change in Sumner, we pray for Open Life Sumner. We pray that, God, you would give them the ears to hear, the eyes to see, the minds to know. 
of who's now available on Sunday nights to, to join in on the mission of open life, to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus in that city. Pray that this would be a sweet spot. Guide us as we make decisions as it deals with the fall. Bless that, that campus. God, I just thank you for what you're doing and the interest we can take in each other and in additional communities and the next towns you're leading us to. Speak clearly to us. We surrender to you our life in Jesus' name.